feel like we're in the theater. Please turn off all cell phones until further notice, or we will shoot you. Are we recording? Of course. Of course. We always start with something. We never start formally. Exactly. (laughs) Hi. Hi, everyone. It's been a couple weeks. It's been three? Two. Two? Ish. Seems ish. Something like that. Maybe three. Ish is good. Three. Three weeks. Ish is good. Three weeks goes by really fast these days. It does. Um, Interesting day. Today is Wednesday, June 26th. It's the 10th anniversary of Lawrence v. Texas. Yes. It is two days away Gay from sex. the 40th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. Wow. It's a pretty big day in the LGBTQII every other letter yes. community. So you want to tell people what happened today? Why don't you? If they live under a rock? Yeah. If they well, you're the one that got up early enough to go to the Capitol. Uh, I was um, in uh, orthodontist's uh, office, so <laughs> you tell me. I did get up early enough to go to the Capitol. Today was actually the day that the Supreme Court released the rulings in the Windsor case, which is the Doma case, mm-hmm. and the Perry case, which is the Prop 8 case. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Finally. In the very mature words that I would like to send out to the National Organization for Marriage, neener, neener, neener. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw you on TV already today. Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't seen that yet. The news at noon. Oh, really? KXLH? Channel H. Yes. Channel H. That's Channel H. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> They had your interview. Nice. I'll have to look it up online. Melissa was there this morning, and she's like, I don't understand what's going on, because she doesn't normally cover this area. It's right. Monet's, but Monet wasn't working today. I don't know why. And um, so we kind of filled her in on everything, and nobody else wanted to do an interview, because it was really early in the morning, and I'm right. like, I put together the event. I better do the interview. <laughs> <laughs> so you've already been on TV, Mr. Um, gay. I know. Mr. Gay Montana. Yeah, she was like, what title should he use? I'm like, gay citizen. At some point, it'll just be citizen. But for today... Right. It's gay. It's still gay. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, no, it was it was actually really cool. So the first ruling that came down, of course, was the dumb ruling. And it came down exactly the way everybody expected it. And what's well, interesting about... exactly. The, yeah, because the, the the one part... Well, it, it was a 5-4. We knew it was going to be close. Um it was how I expected it to. I guess we shouldn't say everyone, but in my mind, it was how everyone with well, a brain expected it to. What I was reading was that people were not surprised that it went it, the way it did, but that it was so broad and specific, specifically about equal protection as opposed to like states' rights and that kind of stuff. So it was great and then some, according right. to most of what I've read. Right. And it, well, it struck it down. <clears throat> it struck down the, um, the ability of the federal government to not. Uh, recognize the marriages completely. Mm-hmm. It didn't strike down the ability of the other states to not mac- recognize them because it's a different part of DOMA. Right. Um, so the full faith and credit is still an issue, um, which I'm but sure But that also wasn't specifically being challenged. That wasn't challenged at all. Right. At all. It was that just wasn't even close. Equal protection Although it is, I guess level. that's in a couple of the other cases, mm-hmm. um, which are going, which now have, you know, the chance to go up in the next term anyway. Right. So... That'll be interesting. Yeah. So Doma came down first. Everybody was kind of excited about that. <coughs> what was what was really weird is the dissent in the Doma case included talking points from Chief Justice Roberts about the Prop 8 case. And it made, I don't know how anybody else felt, but I know exactly how I felt. It made me very nervous about Prop 8. Um, that they were going to come down actually supporting it. Hmm. Which was not a good thing. Um but then what ended up happening is they ended up ruling on it really the only way that they could, which is to say that the, the group that defended it in the circuit court had no standing to defend it and it should have never gone to the circuit court. So the lower court's ruling stands, which means it is unconstitutional. And, um, According the, to California. For California. The, the ruling, what they did in California was unconstitutional. They can't change the constitution that way. Um, and... Uh, the way that Chief Justice wrote it, it's not just for the couples that brought the suit. It actually is for all of California. So that's a really big move. It means that we went from 12 to 13 states where marriage is legal, which is a great thing. It means that we went from one in five LGBTQIII, every other letter, (laughs) two sold people, um, have access to marriage. One in five was what we had yesterday. It's now one in three. Unfortunately, it still means that two-thirds of us don't <laughs> so have access. So one in three as in you two, us two, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, would, the, I would guess the, you'd have to say two and three. I would think you'd have to say two and six because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think one person can get married on right. their own. 
Um, yeah, so two and six, but that means four and six still can't get married. Um, they're always a bridesmaid. <laughs> so all in all, it was a pretty good day. I mean, in looking at what they could have done with the ruling, and this is this is where you know there are a bunch of people that are like, they should have struck down, they should have given us marriage nationwide. Well, they could have, but in order for them to do that, they would have had to grant standing to this external group that was not elected, had no... Um, legal bad standing. Oh, it's a hugely bad precedent. I mean, that literally meant that any law that the teabaggers liked in any state, they mm-hmm. could defend in court. It actually could have been a potentially worse win. You it, know what I mean? Oh, it would have been a nightmare. It yeah. would have been a nightmare all around. A nightmare. I mean, I, I don't understand why the California Supreme Court ever thought it was a good idea. I mean, that was one of the times when they went, we're going to punt and that's a really bad idea, but we're going to do it anyway because we're scared for our elections. Mm-hmm. And it was, and the Supreme Court of the United States literally looked back at them and went, "You've been playing with your medical marijuana, <laughs> and you shouldn't be." So, well, and I think just the general public, unfortunately, sometimes doesn't understand that the Supreme Court can actually only rule about what they've been asked. You know what I mean? They can't just sort of. Sometimes they take these very, very broad opinions, and it right. changes public policy. But generally, they would have been criticized for sort of going outside of the scope of what the case was actually about. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, definitely. We don't want them to do that in other things. And no. we have to understand that it wasn't like today was going to be like, okay, everybody can get married. That was never really a possibility. No. And um, working with the marriage organizations across the country and talking to them and finding out exactly what they were thinking, it does become very clear that most of them had that in the forefront of their sites. They're like, there's two ways this can go either they can rule on standing and will win. Or they could rule on standing and we win. That's really all that could happen. Because if they ruled on anything else, they were opening up not a Pandora's box, but a nuclear warhead. Mm-hmm. You know, That's exactly what it would be. Because it would literally grant standing to anyone in any case. Right. And that is a nightmare for the courts. If you don't have standing, you cannot be in the courts. So Now, if the California would have actually defended and been the party, then we could have potentially had a ruling just on whether or not a state can sort of put this discriminatory law in in effect, right? Well, yes and no. So what would have happened if California had defended it up to the Ninth Circuit? Then what could have happened is the Supreme Court could have said, nope, we're not taking the case. And then all lower courts in the Ninth Circuit would have to obey that. So all the states in the Ninth Circuit, Mm -hmm. of which Montana is in, our constitutional amendment from 2003 would be null and void. Mm -hmm. So that would have been great for us, but it still wouldn't have been nationwide. It still would have had to go all the way to the Supreme Court in order to be ruled as nationwide. And California would have to defend it the whole way. Mm -hmm. California is not willing to incur that expense because it is a lot of money. And quite frankly, it's not their job to determine how everybody else in the country gets stuff done right. as much as you and I would really like for that to happen because overall it will save us money and time and it's the right thing to do and it's going to happen anyway. It's not California's job to make Montana better. Mm-hmm. So, which, although it should be considering how many people from California have moved here and made Montana worse. <laughs> <laughs> not mentioning any names. I'm just looking at some people and giving them the eye. So all in all, a good gay day. It was. It was, It is. It's a fantastic day. And um, yeah. I'm wondering, so the striking down of DOMA, mm-hmm. what I heard was that <clears throat> it really only means that people from states where marriage is recognized then have access to the federal benefit. So just because no. we live in Montana, so if is, you're so a federal employee, no. it doesn't So matter. it's different. So it's slightly different. <clears throat> okay, if you me. were married in a state that has those legal rights, even if you move to a state that does not recognize your marriage, the feds have to. Mm. So if you got married in Canada and you live in Montana, the feds will recognize your marriage. So if you're a federal employee, Legally you, get, you get those benefits, you get to file your taxes that way, you are the spouse in healthcare, everything. Wow. So you get those 1,100 rights and responsibilities that occur at the federal level, but you don't at the state. So now it's the reverse situation of what it was before for people that live in these states where marriage is not, not yet equal. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about that so is... So we could go to Iowa, get married, and then... Well, okay. you and I could go to Montana get married. No, I'm talking about we, meaning my partner and I. Okay, so we you and Jen. We could go to Iowa or Minnesota or... or Canada. You could Washington, drive up to Calgary. Right, and get married, and then we would be 
considered married under the federal laws. Correct. Which gives you inheritance and property rights and all sorts of things at the federal level, which is a fantastic thing. Benefits. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, it then it's, so it's opened up a whole new can of worms. I mean, it, this is the whole thing about taking equality slow is that it, it it opens up a whole new set of right all over the place. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting in our lawsuits, which, um, were passed back down to the lower, lower Mm -hmm. courts. And I'm not sure, even sure where they are anymore. I've lost track. Um, but now they can be revised to actually challenge on the basis that it's illegal. Right. And we have the Supreme court ruling to back us up. And the lower courts are probably and just all you've done is created more discrimination within the state, right? You know? And so what they'll probably do is, my guess is, knowing how the Montana courts are, mm-hmm. is the district court will hand it off to the Supreme Court of the state. State Supreme Court will hand it off to the Ninth Circuit. Ninth Circuit will rule on it, and then the SCOTUS will have to take it up next term. Mm-hmm. I'm in, I literally could go that fast. Welcome to Montana, where you know if we're going to change things, we well, might hopefully as well just throw ACLU out the baby is on in the bathwater. I hope so too. The process. I think we need to have Nikki Zapanik in and yes. have a little chit chat. Be like, hey, Nikki, hi, friend of the show, What's Nikki Zapanik. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> so, how was the turnout this morning? There were like nine of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was well, such it was an last odd minute. time. Yeah. It was last minute, and it's at eight o'clock. And I don't know if everybody realizes this, but apparently, that's when a lot of people go to work. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and I don't. I was totally going to join you, but my partner and I were doing the sort of pseudo marriage thing, which is uh, taking two teenage boys to get their wisdom teeth pulled out at eight o'clock Ooh, in the morning. Oh God! Nasty. So I was dealing with a you know teenager high on uh, narcotics from getting their wisdom teeth pulled out. Did they put them under completely, or did they just do locals? With wisdom teeth, you're sort of out. Well, it depends. It depends on the oral surgeon. Some okay, of them so do they were out. They were out completely. Yeah. yeah well, that's good. And then they because uh, the older of Jen's boys, he's pretty big. Him. He could yeah. he could hurt someone. Exactly. <laughs> and apparently, so we videotaped the sound him. Is yeah. Horrible. Exactly. Um, so that's where I was this morning, and but I was you're like a soccer mom. I know. I was watching it on CNN and keeping up on Twitter and Facebook. The other thing that sort of made me chuckle this morning is I was like, people were reading so quickly between eight and eight oh five. More quickly than they've ever read between eight and eight oh five before, because to read those rulings you have to. They're long. Fast, I still have the PDFs because yeah, right. I just, wanted to go back and read them again. But everybody was like, I mean, they issue the order, and then all of a sudden, you know, within three minutes, everybody's like, "This is what it says." I was like, "My brain's not even working that fast." <laughs> Somebody please translate for me. I texted Sarah, and I was just like, "Can I get married yet?" You know. <laughs> and Sarah said, "No, no." Well, you could, but well, and yeah, it was interesting because the, the first thing that came out, you know, the the Defense of Marriage Act when it was gutted this morning for federal rights, that was a, a really big and obvious thing. It was fairly easy to parse that really quickly, especially because it said this is unconstitutional. Right, <laughs> there is no rational basis for this sort of action. Get a grip, you assholes! Right. I believe that's actually in there, uh, <laughs> page three, paragraph. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. The Prop 8 ruling is so much more complex, even though it's just a, we don't, we realize there is no standing here. It has to go back to the circuit court, but because the circuit court is so far below the Supreme Court and it's located in one state and the ruling is slightly wonky in and of itself. And there's so many other things that have to happen and a stay has to happen. Plus how DOMA is ruled is affecting how the Prop 8 rule steps out and when it ends and when the stay ends and there's so much stuff that this morning it was, yeah, exactly. That's how I felt. Everybody, we were sitting there and Marilyn Bennett was there front of the show, Marilyn Bennett. And she's like, could y'all cheer? I'm like, it's too early. (laughs) Are we sure it's good? That's, I was sort of just like, is it good? Is it good? Yeah, it was kind of good. Mom was there for a little bit, which was really nice. And she's like, I can't be on TV. And I was like, I don't stand in front of the camera. That's how they work. can't be on TV. Right. And, uh, but she was there for a little bit and she was like, no, this is a really good thing. Um, you know, and mom's a Republican, right? You know, there's no getting around it. Mom's a Republican and, um, she thinks it's a good thing. All mm-hmm. of her friends think it, thinks it's a good thing. So it was a good day all around. You know, there's a, there's a bunch of people who are, are being whiny little crybaby bitches about it. Um, I'm looking at, uh, what was the governor from Arkansas? Not Bill Clinton. The other one. <laughs> Oh, Huckabee? Yes. Oh, his tweet this morning. He was like, well, I have a response to the the Supreme Court. Jesus wept. And somebody replied to that. Yes, Jesus wept as he wrapped his arms around David and Stephen and said, congratulations, you're just as equal as everybody else. And three other people, three other friends of mine called him a douchebag. So (laughs) it's like, well, and it's true. (coughs) 
Um, and then Nam has been crying all day. The family, Who's that? National Organization for Marriage, mm-hmm. they've been crying all day. And then, um, what's the other group? Family Research Council. Yeah. Uh, which is headed by, what is his name? Tony Perkins. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually calling the Prop 8 case a win. Because he's so high as a kite that in his demented reality, somehow being told that what you did was unconstitutional is a good thing. That's weird. It is. He was on CNN. Very bizarre. Hmm. Very bizarre. And then I've spent the rest of my day running around catching up on stuff that has (laughs) been pushed to the wayside as I was waiting for all this stuff to happen. Right. Mm. So, yeah. That was the equality stuff today. I think the rulings today were delightful. Want to talk about yesterday? (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. So the Voter Rights Act. You want to take this one first? No. You don't want to? I'll take the ICWA one. You can take this one. The what? ICWA. Oh, okay. Indian Child Welfare Act. Yeah, and you'll have to take that one because I don't know enough of the story, and the two things I read about it didn't explain it well enough for me to go, huh? Yeah. Um, or to do anything but go, hey. Um, so the Voter Rights Act. Here's what I find that's interesting about it. Because I do – I disagree with the ruling, but not with the logic behind it. I know mm-hmm. that's sort of a stupid thing to say. Um, and anybody who's saying it's white male privilege, please hear me out because it's not. There um, are people saying that as right. they listen to it. I'm sure there are. They're like, WMP, bastards. <laughs> um, Windows Media Player? Anyway. <laughs> Um, they telegraphed that this ruling was going to come in 2006 when they said you need to redraw the maps. You need to take a hard look at the current data in these areas and see if it's still legitimate. And it may be mm-hmm. legitimate in these areas. The problem is it's been 40 years and because you haven't done the research that is necessary to say whether this is legitimate or not, you don't know. You suspect there's probably really good anecdotal evidence, but there is no actual hard facts because you've not done any research or studies to do it. Mm-hmm. And because that wasn't done, and Congress was told to in 2000, it was either six or nine, but I don't remember which off the top of my head. Congress was specifically told, redraw the map, get new data, redraw the map. And they didn't do it, and it came what up again. What does redraw the map mean? Well, because there's 13 states that were affected by the Voting Rights Act, which said that you cannot redraw your voting maps without approval from Congress in these states. Mm-hmm. That's a map. That's the map that they're referring to. And the reason is because those states had historically, of course, you know, leading up to uh, the Civil Rights Movement, um, had, had been incredibly, incredibly racist. Mm-hmm. What the Supreme Court said was, your data is out of date. Fix it. That's a, legitimate, that's a very legitimate thing for the Supreme Court to say. They, mm-hmm. they, they told Congress this once before. Congress then turned around, reestablished the Voting Rights Act, which is, of course, what they're going to do, but did not do the research that the Supreme Court had told them to do, which is a lot like, here's your homework. I'd like you to finish this. Here's the piece that you missed last time you did this. You'll want to get that done or you're not going to pass. And then they turned it in without that piece. And then the Supreme Court put on their nun habit and their wimple and grabbed a ruler and beat the fuck out of Congress's knuckles today <laughs> or yesterday. And, you know, so that's where I think it is. You know, there are a lot of people. I haven't read saying, the ruling. So what does it do? Um, it stops them from enforcing the voting. The, the you can't gerrymander. You can't. You, your maps have to be approved by Congress in order for you to change them for your voting districts. Mm-hmm. Um, it says that Congress doesn't have the right to do that unless they can prove that it's still necessary in those areas. And that's all it does. It requires Congress to get their act together. So, okay, it's gutted the act and it's never going to come back because Congress is never going to get their act together. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a legitimate thing for to do. They're saying that Congress has to get their act together, do the research, and prove that these areas still need oversight. Mm-hmm. Because some of them do, some of them don't. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are some of them where it's not a big deal. They just they don't do that stuff anymore because they have moved on. God, I would hope that some parts of the, the country have gotten better. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there are other parts of the country that have gotten worse. I'm sure if they do some research onto racism in New England, they're going to find some areas where they probably should be looking at the maps. Mm-hmm. And that's what it amounts to. That's all it amounts to. It says that they must do a study. They must know that these areas need oversight. It's not that hard. It uses the same criteria as before. You mm-hmm. go out, you do the study, you come back, you get it done. So it sounds like you actually agree with it then. 
No, I I think the ruling could have st- I, I it could have gone either way. I think it's a legitimate ruling. It was not the one I would have chosen. You know, if I were on the Supreme Court, <laughs> there's a nightmare for everybody. <laughs> but if I were on the Supreme Court, it's not how I would have voted. But I would have you know what, if if I had been on the Supreme Court in 2006 and had told Congress to get their shit together and then gotten a case again, you know, 7 years later, and Congress has still not gotten their shit together, yeah, I'd throw it out. Because at some point, the body politic is responsible to the populace. Mm -hmm. And if they're not doing their job, if they're not doing the things that are right, then we have to make it painfully obvious that those people need to be replaced, and that's the only way the court can. The court can't throw out Congress. Mm -hmm. But it can certainly throw out some of the bills that they have have to pass. And, you know, the Voter Rights Act is one of those things where it's not like Roe v. Wade. You know, while the southern states generally think that it's not necessary, there are plenty of other states that do, and there are plenty of other states that will turn around. There are plenty of other people that are going to vote for it and go, it needs to be there. This study must be done. You have to get your act together. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, in requiring that, I think that we will clean up Congress a little bit and hopefully get them to act. I mean, they haven't passed a budget in, what, 160 years? (laughs) True story. You know, so... So while I do, I don't know that the I ruling would, did that's that's the majority of what the ruling did um, because it didn't invalidate the Voting Rights Act in and of itself it just took away the one area where the Voting Rights Act actually had any power but it did it because the power that it was that it was granted is on old data and if you're constantly making laws based off of old data and old traditions you're not moving forward and doing the right thing for your people which is very consistent with what happened with Prop Eight and DOMA. Mm-hmm. You know, so we can't have it both ways. We right. do have to do the research that's involved with that. And yeah, it's unfortunate that Congress hasn't gotten their act together. Vote for better people. Who was the plaintiff in that case? Alabama. Saying we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be under it. Yeah. And, and Alabama is one of those states where when they do the research, we'll totally still be under it. <laughs> Absolutely, they're going to be under it. I mean, they tried to pull some really sneaky shit. They're worse than taxes in many ways. Mm-hmm. But there are other places like Georgia. There's only there's a good chance that Georgia won't be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still racist in Georgia, but it's not overtly racist. It's no more racist than Boston. Right. Okay, probably a bad <laughs> example. No more racist than well, Montana. Okay, bad example. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so that that discussion was very, uh, or that ruling was very interesting. And a lot of people, <laughs> friend of the show, Jamie Greer, you know, lost their minds over it. It was horrible. It's the end of the world. You know, our our world is over. This They don't understand. I think they do understand, but they want us to use current data. And that's not a bad thing mm-hmm. at all. Because if we don't get to use current data, guess what? The gays are still sick and uh, actually have mental health issues if we're not using current data, if we're using old data <laughs> from the 60s. Sometimes I feel like I have a mental health issue when I have to talk about some of this stuff. You do. And SCOTUS is a disease. <laughs> so you get to take the other one. Yeah, so I didn't know much about the voter rights thing, but like you, um, I sort of just saw everybody blow up on Facebook, and I was just like, oh, well, this must be really bad. But it's interesting since you've actually explained it. Um, I can see what you're describing, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that I'm sort of currently frustrated with is uh, we used to get our news from actually reading things, and then we started getting our news from, like, electronics and reading, you know, online newspapers or blogs or Twitter or whatever. And now I feel like most people get their news from other people's Facebook status updates. I I can't argue with that. <laughs> so my point is people are really It's on the internet. It must be people true. People are really influenced by how other people are reacting to stuff. Right. Um and you know I'm just admitting that, like, I didn't really know what was going on with that case. I saw that everybody was really pissed. I sort of felt like, well, I guess I should be pissed about something. I didn't know what I was supposed to be pissed about because I have plenty of other things I'm paying attention to. But now that you describe it, I'm just sort of like, well, obviously, I think people react to the impact of it. Right. right. And the, the impact, and not the so impact much the ruling. But, but that I also think that there's a part of that that's not understanding that things are decided sometimes for pretty black and white reasons. I feel like ends up being sort of naive sometimes because basically you can be really uh, upset about the sort of fallout from the decision. But when, when it comes to the courts, things are often very black and white sort of, it is either it's like a interpretation of a black and white concept. You know what I mean? Right. So 
if you ask for data, you don't get data. And so then you don't have this thing anymore. That's just, that's like how life works. Right. You know, and if that's really how it came down, then that makes sense. Um, Which is, that's calling, But then calling the justices all racist is sort of like, I don't know. It's, well, it sounds complex. it, It is complex. And some of the things that were written in there, which have, just, I recommend anybody who really wants to know about this, go to Scotus blog and look it up because they do have some great commentary on there. They're fantastic lawyers. They do a great job. It is literally one of the best blogs in the world. It's a, one of the best news sources in the world mm-hmm. for this particular type of news. Um, some of the stuff that's in the ruling is very bizarre, but some of the stuff that's in every ruling is very, very bizarre. And Scalia, you know, this morning got up and, pontificated for 21 minutes because apparently something died near him. I don't know. It's, he's just (laughs) insane. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to predict what the Supreme court is going to do on any one of the rulings, Mm -hmm. but finding that level of consistency is really kind of refreshing. Actually, they've been consistent. State rights have been a top priority for this court. And, um, consistent data has been a top priority for this court, you know? So if you look at the things through those two viewpoints, mm-hmm. you're pretty close to knowing what's going to happen. So anyway, back to the, the one that you, you right. followed up on. So I guess what I'll just say, cause I'm sure people are listening and could potentially misunderstand what I'm saying. Obviously the people who know seem to think it's a big deal and I can respect that. Right. Cause in the same way that nobody really knows about the ICWA ruling, I know enough about it to care pretty pretty deeply about it, and other people are probably like, oh, no big deal, whatever. And so I understand that I don't know if, enough about the voting rights thing to really have a strong opinion. I do want to make the point that people should educate themselves more than just reading each other's status updates and sort of reacting to things that way. Right. Um, but I'm sure the impact of that ruling is going to be a big deal. And oh, yeah. so Hopefully, so like you said, Congress will get it together. So ICWA. <laughs> Which is what? So the Indian Child Welfare Act, uh, I should know off the top of my head when it was put into place, but it was probably 60s or 70s, somewhere around there. Okay. Maybe 80s. Probably 80s. Um, basically, you know, current law has been that when a native child is sort of up for adoption, right? So parental rights have been taken away or loss of parents or whatever, whatever. A well, native parental child, rights have been given up. Right. Um, sort of exactly. So when a native child's sort of adoption is in question, there's a whole process that has to be followed before the adoption can be granted. Um, this came out of, you know, many, many, many years of a very significant form of racism, which was basically to take native kids out of their communities, out of their homes, out of their families, and, you know, try to assimilate them in primarily white, Caucasian, non-native families. Um, You may have heard of, like, the boarding school epidemic and also across the board. And if anybody's listening to this and wants to learn more, there's a great radio lab podcast episode that sort of gives a very brief synopsis of it. But the gist is that native kids were not growing up in their homes with their families, with their extended families. They were being shipped off to live with white families, even in situations where they weren't being abused or significantly neglected or whatever. But because white social workers don't understand how native families operate, and so they would come up with these reasons to legitimately take. So like, there's all sorts of stories that have been documented across the country where, you know, a perfectly healthy family, the social worker comes in and says, this isn't a fit home. And, you know, they lose parental rights and the child is adopted by a white family. So Congress, um, I'm guessing it's in the eighties. Sarah would correct me. Um, basically, yeah, she, (laughs) her and my friend, Jen Hillhart are sort of experts in ICWA. So they put this law in place. It's a federal law that all states are required to follow. So like right now in Montana, you know, you have sort of child welfare, you have the CPS system, and within that they have to have ICWA specialists. They have to have a whole contingent of CPS workers that specialize in particular in ICWA because it's such a federal mandate. Mm -hmm. And granted, it's a whole system of hoops. So in order to adopt 
Native children, a lot of things have to happen. Um, and really, the only people that get to decide whether or not that kid is Native is the tribe that they would have originated from, right? So let's say um, the Blackfeet tribe, somebody's you know one one-hundredth Blackfeet. If Blackfeet decides that that is a full tribal member, then ICWA applies and the Blackfeet nation is the one that has sort of jurisdiction over that child. It's beyond even just the parents of the child. It's the tribe that has sort of rights to the child, if that makes sense. And so right now what happens is when you want, when a, a native child is up for adoption, the there's many different levels and it's sort of like, can a family member adopt the child? Can an extended family member, can somebody in the tribe, like there's all these ways in which you try to maintain that cultural heritage by having the child stay within the tribe in one way or another. Sometimes, you know, maybe their immediate family or even extended family isn't a safe place for them, but there's some other family or whatever. So they really try to the extent possible to maintain that, connection so that people aren't being sort of shipped off from their home community. I have had friends who have adopted um, Native children, and yes, it does mean that that process takes a lot longer. Some Native children are very happy in their adoptive family, regardless if they're white or not. And so with any policy, there's always sort of the downside to it. But the intent of the law has this really significant purpose and in which general, is to maintain the native communities. Right, exactly. Right. So needless to say, if you listen to the radio lab or if you read stuff, people sort of fall on one of two sides. It's like the Indian Child Welfare Act is so important because of all of these cultural sort of historical issues and we can live with the few things that make it sort of difficult. Or there's the people who are like, these few things that make it difficult um, overweigh all of the other issues why we put it in place. Those would be the think of the children assholes. Right. Okay. So um, long story short, the ICWA case that was just ruled started with a father who was asked to give up parental rights to his um, non-native partner under the guise that she was sort of taking full rights of the kid. He later learns that, in fact, she was giving the kid up for adoption, and so he was never aware of that. And as soon as he realized that, he sort of revoked or he reversed you know, his decision. He reversed his decision and wanted to have custody. And the couple that had adopted the child was a white couple in South Carolina. So South Carolina courts ruled that ICWA does apply, and even though the father had sort of given up um, parental rights. They didn't follow ICWA, and so they needed to sort of start over, and he was granted parental rights. So at the age of, like, two, this young girl was given to her father and now has been living with her father for about two years. Um, They interview her in the radio lab stuff, and she's, you know, very well adjusted and whatever. So it's not like she's in a bad situation or what have you. And the Cherokee Nation was the one that is sort of claiming jurisdiction over this native child. So it was appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court. Obviously, this particular family is like the one that this case impacts the most significantly. But the ruling um, reversed the lower court decision. And so basically, um, it wasn't. They were saying like it wasn't a matter of ICWA. And this has to be reversed back to the lower court. And they have to decide on this case based on best interest of the child and whether or not the fact that he gave up parental rights means that the sort of his claim to her is null and void. And if it's in the best here's, interest of the Here's child. the one part that I do know about. He never signed away his parental rights. Right. It was a text message. and a text No, he did sign. Oh, see, yeah. I, the document that I saw said that he had done it in a text message. He had not signed a legal document giving away parental rights. But because they were in a state where... An unmarried parent, an unmarried father, doesn't necessarily automatically get parental rights. That's why they were able to do it. Yeah, no. If you listen to the the radio lab thing or read some other articles, like there was a text message thing that was involved, but there was a guy that came and had him sign the paperwork, and he either signed at that time or was told at that time, you know, this is she's giving the baby up for adoption for somebody else, and he immediately went back to the base and said he needed legal assistance and whatever because he was also in the military so Mm. he was about to be shipped overseas and that's part of the whole story Ah. 
Regardless, the sort of does he have a claim to the parental rights is one thing, but what the court did was actually rule that sort of ICWA and that concept is gutted and now states have to determine based on best interests of the child, which, you know, all of us who are not Native have been operating under for however long it's been in place, but ICWA was its own sort of track of how people dealt with adoption. And so it really just guts ICWA entirely. So, In addition, the ruling and the stuff that's in the ruling like really misses the point because they talk all about this particular case and, and whatever, which of course is normal. But um, ICWA was decided for particular issues, you know, sovereignty, um, the historical trauma, and sort of particular stuff around um, Native children. And they made it out like this was just about like an adoption and whether or not certain rules were followed. And so um, Hmm. they really sort of disregarded the whole point of ICWA. So that was, I think, again, I don't know that much about voter rights, but it was this huge ruling yesterday. We're still sort of trying to figure out what it means. And right now that case gets sent back down and then the courts decide whether or not the father will have to give up custody. But, um, I don't know. So it was really depressing, mainly because it was like one of those things that very few people understand, but for the native communities and most people I know who sort of operate from that perspective, it is like a fundamental sovereignty issue, a fundamental like this is one of the ways you're dealing with the historical trauma that you've inflicted on us for years and years. And now the Supreme Court just gutted it. And not only that, just sort of like ran over all of the reasons why it's in place. So, okay, so looking at it from the perspective of the the looking glass that we were discussing earlier, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if, and I haven't read the ruling. I, even if I read the ruling, I don't think I would understand it because I didn't know enough about the case. I'll have to do some more research if I have time, which <laughs> I won't. Um, just read my status update and decide how to feel about it. Right. I'm just angsty and I need a cupcake. Um <laughs> I would. I'm wondering if they look at it with the whole times have changed viewpoint, which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily valid, but that that seems to be how they're looking at many things. And I'm wondering if that's why they're looking at this, because I know several social workers in the state of Montana, and I don't know any of them that wouldn't do exactly what Equal was trying to do anyway, mm-hmm. regardless of being told that they have to do it. I mean, they would they would do family, extended family, tribe before they'd ever put a native child with a white family or a yeah, and I think non-native family. I think you're right that par- uh, like the sort of theme underneath the ruling is like uh, we don't really need this. This is just about a straight up custody decision. Like this is whether or not the guy gave us parental rights, whether or not it's in the best interest of the child. And that's the way in which it guts ICWA. So, yes, I think you're right. That's sort of the perspective they're coming from. Um, what, I would, what I would say is that times have changed if you look at it on the surface. If you actually look at the number of Native kids who are involved in the child welfare system, if you look at the number of Native parents who are still lo- losing custody, it's still a significant issue. So you might have a thing where, you know, a particular social workers are, are more educated or less sort of, um, bigoted. <laughs> right. But we have set, um, many of our native sisters and brothers in a situation where they can't succeed. And so they're the first ones to be targeted for, removal of children, prison, you know, all these other things. So a, it makes it about those particular individuals. And really the sovereignty issue is the fact that the ICWA established the concept that like tribes are responsible for their own people. Tribes are responsible for their own kids. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so they have jurisdiction and, that's the issue that's really been brought into question. So it would basically be like it's it's sort of a cutout version of saying we no longer have tribal sovereignty for XYZ. 
And if you come from the tribal perspective, they're like, you already took away all these things that we were supposed to be sovereign about. And now you're adding another one to that list. Right. And this is a fundamental, like, this is about our these survival. These are our people. Right. And so that's where it's different. Like, you know, again, it's an issue that's gotten better over time. People are still being targeted by it. These justices, probably none of them have lived in Montana or other places where there's actual tribes. Exactly. And that's, I and so they don't even the have the concept. So it's not like other racial groups. It's this whole other concept too, where it's like, it's a racism issue and a sovereign. Like we issue. keep saying that you're a sovereign nation and then we keep telling you, no, actually you're not. Which is a really nice segue to Shannon. <laughs> Oh, we're going to talk about that? Yes, we are going to talk about that. Oh, my God. Because I think it's interesting. You do realize that people listen to this podcast and then they get mad about what we talk about, right? Yeah, I get calls. Okay. Um, But I think it's funny because I get calls and then I say, okay, tell me what your side is. And then they tell me and I'm like, yeah, I didn't disagree with you. What's your point? (laughs) It's kind of funny because I don't think they listen to the podcast. They they hear parts of it and then lose their shit. (laughs) And I'm I'm also just like, just because we're on a podcast doesn't mean, first of all, maybe we should start with a disclosure that's like, we are not a news organization. We are not not about reporting the facts. This ends well. It doesn't end right. (laughs) Right. So we are not a news organization. Neither of us are like journalists that are bound by, you know, the expectation of fact. Uh, And we're not lawyers either. These are our opinions. Exactly. And... Sometimes they're not like fully vetted opinions. And sometimes how we feel. And the other thing is, it's not like it's uh, set in stone. No, you know, it's set in. I change my mind all the time. Exactly, and and that's the sign of an intelligent human being. Right, exactly. So, Um, yeah. So Shannon got charged. I don't know anything about this case. I know Shannon, obviously, but right. So you remember the whole brouhaha in the Montana State Legislature, Mm. which looked like the Texas Legislature yesterday, which we'll also get to, um, hopefully. Yeah. Um, you're staying late. We're doing a long show and then I'm getting you beer. Um, or I'll get you booze. Ooh, actually, yes, I will get you booze. We'll go to the Eagle. Um, if any of you want to join us, not that you can hear this by then anyway. Whatever. Um, yeah, so he was uh, driving erratically, got pulled over on Highway 2 on tribal lands by a non-tribal police officer who he then told, you have, you have no jurisdiction over me. This is sovereign territory. Goodbye. Got in his car and left. And the the highway patrol that pulled him over was like, I don't know if that's true or not, but I guess maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and so Shannon left. And he's a state senator. And he was the senator at the center of the roll yeah. call vote, which caused the big brouhaha with um, very... And I don't mean to sound racist in this, but it was very, <laughs> it was very chanty, thumpy uh, movements by and, and sounds by the senators. It was it was quite Montanan, right? Um, <laughs> As opposed to Texas, who was just right, like, right. Sounded like a siren or a monkey <laughs> on a boat. I don't know. Um, <laughs> he got so he gets pulled over for a DUI and basically drives off. Flipping the bird, saying you have no jurisdiction, which is a delightful thing. I, I would love. I, when I found out that that's what he did, I just wanted to give him a hug and say thank you because that's so cool. I don't know that it's necessarily right or the right. best thing to do, but it's so cool to do it. So then, if only you could do that, right? And so you know, there's this whole big like Twitter blew up and Bob Brigham lost his mind, and you know, oh, it was it was ridiculous. About what? Um, well, the I can't remember the reporter from the Great Falls Tribune, um, Adams. He, uh, maybe uh-huh. he had tweeted that, you know, he got pulled over, um, and then ran off, which is true. And then, um, Bob Brigham was like, well, that's slander. Uh, no, he wrote it. It's libel. <laughs> <laughs> and actually it's the truth. So it's not, but, um, you know, it's, it's literally one of those, you know, people were losing their minds all over the place, left and right, right. libertarian, you know, conservative teabagger, all of them. Everybody was, everybody had an opinion. Nobody had any facts. It was great. And um, so, you know, a couple of days pass. Actually, I think a couple of weeks pass. And then the FBI is announces there's an investigation into mm-hmm. it. And then formal charges are pressed against him. He was driving under the influence of alcohol and he left the scene of a crime. And he obstructed justice. And uh, the interesting part is I, don't, I didn't find whether the charges were in the state court or in the federal court. And the mm-hmm. interesting thing is if the FBI is involved, that's not the state court. If a... Sovereign nation is involved, 
it's generally an international incident, but in this case, it would still be the FBI. Mm-hmm. That's a federal problem. But here's the other thing. The federal government doesn't have a DUI law. Mm-mm. They have an obstruction of justice law. Right. But you can't charge for obstruction of justice for a law that doesn't exist. So, again, that doesn't make any sense. So I'm still confused as to what exactly is going on, but I think that was somebody let out. us know if somebody's actually been charged with something legitimate. Yeah, it's so it's it's going to be one of those things that plays out. And because he was at the center of the brouhaha in the Senate this last session, I think it's going to be one of those things that really determines a lot going forward. I don't think it'll cost him an election. He's very popular in his district, and he's a tribal council member, too. right? And the and the that happens to be one of the tribes that has truly got their act together on everything. They are very politically active. They are doing their best to continue their culture, their their language, everything. They are really, really on the ball. And not to say the other ones aren't, but they're definitely leading. They also are used to flipping us and the federal government off. Exactly. Like, they're used to being like, no, we're not going to tell you who's within our jurisdiction. Right. So... And as they should, sovereign nation. That sovereign nation actually means something. I would suggest everybody who has a question as to what it means, look at the two words, write a little essay, I'll grade it. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's that. And then that's a nice segue because he was at the center of the brouhaha at the Montana Senate. Is, is, is it required to, that we have segues today? No, but it's just a nice way to do it because the other is non sequiturs. <laughs> oh and now the leaf is green. And now Texas. Texas. So did you watch yesterday? Oh, yeah, last night. Well, I didn't watch yesterday. When I got home and I was in bed and I was about to go to bed, then I had saw seen that somebody had posted something on Facebook and it was a link to the live feed. And I checked in and it was super boring. Nothing was happening. So I had it sort of on in the background getting ready for bed. And then all of a sudden... It goes silent. The arguments between the woman and the... Uh, I guess they call him the president there, too. Yep, president of the Senate, who happens um, to be the lieutenant And finally, governor. when the woman was like, Mr. President parliamentary inquiry when will a woman be recognized the same as a man in here and then the whole place went out of control exactly and then i was like oh this is like the montana senate i love it but they never got as rowdy the difference is they had a whole lot more people there so they were louder and rowdier for longer because they had so many people in the gallery they had so many people in the their senate is twice the size of ours well not number of people but physical size of the of the room and their gallery is like four times oh yeah and i thought it was so cool because i had just been there you know remember i went on my little capital tour when i was there in austin but so i know exactly what it looks like and it's huge that building is huge and the fact that when you posted that picture of all the people in the rotunda and stuff like don't get me wrong, there was you know a bazillion times more people at this event, but the difference is that all of the activists and stuff were making a lot of noise, but the senators were not. The senators no. were like buzzing around trying to figure out what was going on, and then right. did you notice how they all just like disappeared into like a room to figure out the details because the Republicans had tried to break the rules, but they never sort of ended the debate. They just like disappeared into this no, room, and, and then, then I fell asleep. And then they cleared. <laughs> then they cleared the Senate, and, yeah. but they resumed business. And when they resumed business, they realized that they couldn't break the rules because right. if they broke the rules, then there was no point in the filibuster because the filibuster was based on the rules. And if they're going to break the rules anyway, then why do it? Right. And it was kind of funny because. At one point, kind of funny. It was it was tragic all around. I don't know where my adjectives are coming from today, um, but the there was one hundred and eighty four thousand people watching the live stream when this is going down, and it and it kept going up, kept going up. I think it it peaked at just under two hundred thousand people watching it online. That's a hell of a lot of data to move. At that same time, CNN had on blueberry muffins are 250 calories. I know. That was crazy. I'm like, I was are trying you to turn, kidding? I was trying to turn the TV on so I could watch it on TV instead of on my iPad. wasn't on any Nobody of them. Nobody had it. None of them. Buy the Texas Journal's feed and put that stuff on TV. Yeah, well, and CNN could have popped it up. I mean, uh, they, they're a 24-hour news idiots. network. They should be looking for news. There is news going on, but well, they're Well, read idiots. Facebook. You could see what was going on. Everybody exactly. was watching it. And it was... So, am- yeah, it was absolutely It was amazing. It. And Twitter But the big difference was the nuts. senators here were, like, pounding on the desks and stuff. So that was the biggest sort of right. ruckus. Whereas the senators there were, were going, you know, it's... it's it, We're going to do this. Right. I like the point of orders that came in where they were like, okay, there's supposed to be three point of orders before you can stop hers we've only had two right. um if you'd like to go back to kindergarten and learn how to count it goes one that's why two, when she was finally like three. when will a woman be recognized the same as a man and then well and that was that was the interesting one so that was they tried to recognize her because she had tried to uh call an end to the day mm-hmm. into the day of business 
And uh, they had heard her but not recognized her. <laughs> For everybody, if you want to know, uh, Matt, the owner of the shop, was apparently, I don't know, were you, what are you, killing ducks? <laughs> anyway, I don't know if you guys could hear that or not. Anyway, but startled us. Um, so, oh, where was I? See, what was happening with the woman who was? Oh, oh, oh right. So they heard what she said, which she was going to make a motion to end the business, right? But they didn't recognize her, and that's you know, of course, parliamentary procedure mm-hmm. is you have to be recognized before you can make a motion. But it was interesting because that's the same thing that fell apart here, right? Not being well, recognized. well, and so by not recognizing her, and then they turned around after they did the roll call vote, and they wanted to recognize her and have her do it then, which would have effectively, you know, it wouldn't have passed, but it would have killed the filibuster and given them time to do the vote as they wanted to, which mm-hmm. is the whole point of what they were trying to do. That's when she absolutely said, no, I'm not making that motion. And and they were said, well, you're not recognized for anything else. Well, how high and how how loud do I, how high do I have to raise my hand and how loud do I have to be before I get recognized like the male counterparts mm-hmm. in the Senate? And the look on her face when she said that was priceless. And then the look on the president of the Senate's face at that point was brilliant. And I don't know who the woman is who was giving him advice. <laughs> the dark-haired woman that was standing next to him in, in the business suit. Right. She, at that point, knew she was fried. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who she is, but she's not on our side Mm-mm. <laughs> so it was it was and then the place erupted classic and, oh yeah and what i loved is even when the senate basically shut down and they all disappeared the live feed you could still hear the cheering mm-hmm. out in the rotunda and then there was a live feed that went out that actually uh was somebody's cell phone in the gallery mm-hmm. out in the rotunda filming and, and going out and it had by the time I logged off, it was something like 34,000 viewers watching a cell phone feed. It was a crappy cell phone feed, mm-hmm. too. I was like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> Turn down your volume so yeah. that the mic isn't blown out. I dude. finally just fell asleep. But so, yeah, and at the end of the day, yeah, the, before I went I to bed. I was sad I didn't miss any of Wendy's speeches earlier on, though. Sad you did or didn't? Didn't. I didn't oh. get to see. I mean, oh. the only thing I saw was the ruckus. Right. I didn't and, get to see any of her speeches. Well, and one of the funny, so one of the points of order, this is the thing that I find very interesting. One of the points of order that they called on her, they said that sonograms are not part of, you're not, um, not germane. That's <clears throat> what they were ridiculous. saying. I'm like, no, they're your majesty. Germaine's daughter. I also feel like I would have been like, anything below my boobs and above my knees is germane. Well, the interesting part is Texas <laughs> is one of the states that requires a sonogram. Yeah. Before it, you can it, get an abortion. So it's absolutely germane to the discussion. And the fact that they tried to pass that one, I think they should be sued for. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the bill ended up dying because they couldn't pass the vote before midnight. They tried uh, to lie about it. They tried to lie about it. They got caught. Everybody saw it on screen. Actually, the AP had video because they're smart enough to start recording the screen and keep it on that page. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had video of it changing and because uh, it was an auto-refresh page. So that's really awesome that they did that. Um, and by doing that, they were forced to admit that, yes, the vote did happen and SB5 died. Did you read that Perry has announced another special session? Doesn't surprise me, and it's specifically for SB five. That was my assumption, but again, I read it on Facebook, so who knows if it's true? Mm. Ugh, the man, the man, the, the man, myth, the, the, the myth, moron. The moron. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned great stories about him from the cabbie that drove me around Austin. Oh, God, he's dumber. Show, but- it's really hard to imagine somebody who is less involved and less intelligent than George W. Bush, and yet there he is. See, now Perry or Bush are going to call us and say, that's not fair. If they want to be on the show, they're more than welcome to come on. (laughs) Governor Perry, you want to come on the show with me? You are more than welcome. You can fly your happy pantsuited butt up here. (laughs) (laughs) Sit down at a microphone and have a little chit-chat. I'll even put on my my Austin accent so you feel right at home, pumpkin. (laughs) So it's funny because the last few shows have been all sort of personal, and this one's been all political. all politics. Yeah, all politics. All the time. how have your two weeks been? Because you've been busy. Three and weeks. Jen had a birthday. Has it been three weeks? I think so because I went to Atlanta. Well, it's been like two and a half ish. <laughs> um, so I went to Atlanta for several days. That was great. Went to Missoula for several days. Miss Pride. That was sad. I kind of miss Pride because of the show, which we'll talk about too. Yeah. And then last weekend was her birthday. We saw your show on Friday night, which was a delight. Although a delight, I, I cried a lot. Yeah. Do you Jen, want to talk about the show, Jen or you want to talk about tears. the rest of your stuff? 
Um, yeah, so we went to Kevin's play on Friday, and it was called Next Fall. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really sad that I saw it late in its run because I told everybody that I knew to go see it, and tickets were already sold out. We might be bringing it back. You should. It, it's one of those plays that, and you know, because first of all, that place holds like twenty-five people or something. Forty, exactly forty. Um, yeah, but it's a good place to do something like that where you don't know what the reception is going to be, and plus that play, I don't know. Um, well, no, I do kind of know. I suspect it wouldn't come across as well on the main stage. No, no, no! Don't get me wrong. I don't want you to change the venue. I want you to do it for a couple more weeks. Right. I think what we, and I don't know the details of it. We talked to Jeff a little bit. Jeff was, of course, Adam in the play. Part of the impact of the play is being so close. So I would absolutely not say do it on a bigger stage. Right. And I think what we, it's one of those plays that I think we can bring back and all of the actors are local and really, we really do like it and, and want to do it again. Um, the reason we didn't extend it another week is because two of our actors are actually out of the state on other things that they had planned mm-hmm. this next weekend. Um, and then the studio is busy throughout the summer. So there was only that we could extend it one week if everybody was here, they're not. So we couldn't do it. So we extended it one day. Um, and it sold out in like 43 minutes. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, take it a minute basically. Um, well, I would but, yeah. love for a bunch of people who didn't see it to see it. Cause it was, I mean, I rarely baby cry, especially in public. Um, I'm one of those people that like everybody else is crying at the movie and I really wish I was crying, but I sort of can't cry when other people around me are crying. Um, the subject matter of the play is especially sort of under my skin. Like it's one of those things that really gets to me. So I sort of knew going into it that I would probably be emotionally impacted, but it was so much better than I could have expected. It was just great. All of you were great. All of the acting was great. And the fact that I'm, I'm very sort of affected by spatial stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that I was almost in it, um, makes a difference. I couldn't disconnect from it. You know, um, and Jen tried very, very hard to disconnect from it because she also is a crier. And so the entire time she was sort of freaked out at the beginning that like we were in the front row and you guys were literally like on top of us at times and that sort of freaked her out and it made her a little uncomfortable. And so then she did everything she could the rest of the show to not cry. Like to the point where when the really emotional scene is happening with the hospital bed, she was like looking up at something at the ceiling. You know? <laughs> um, meanwhile, I'm next to her like baby crying. Like what I call baby crying is when you're like, <laughs> you know, and your tears are Oh, sorry. Tears are just like streaming down your face and you're sort of shaking next to the person uh, next to you. So myself and many other people around me were crying like that. Well, and that was, that was actually, yeah, Friday night was interesting because not only were you there, but, uh, one of my, one of my friends from Grand Street, one of the Grand Street kids, Aaron, <clears throat> he was like, I'm very excited to see the play. I told him bring tissues mm-hmm. and, and he's a, he's a baby gay <laughs> and uh delightful kid, super, super sweet. And, um, he's like, well, I didn't even cry at my grandmother's funeral. I'll be fine. I'm like, bring tissues. <laughs> And I saw him afterwards, and he's like a fountain. <laughs> you know? Water works everywhere. I can't believe you guys. <laughs> yeah. And as much as you know, you get a, a certain level of satisfaction from making the audience feel certain things. There's a, it's a really, really cool sensation. Mm-hmm. That show is so exhausting. Like we got done on Sunday. We all went out to one of the cast members houses for a little party. And by eight o'clock I was like, I need to go home. I, I, I have sleep. I have to catch up on. Mm -hmm. And I was very thankful that I didn't have to think anymore about the play or retain any more of the lines or recreate the character. Cause the character I'm playing has nothing in common with me other than being gay. Right. Uh, Well, and liking black men, but that's irrelevant. (laughs) But Nothing. Mm-hmm. Like the decisions that he makes are so alien to me, it's uncomfortable to think of. And I had to crawl into his skin every night and then go through this emotional roller coaster where you lose a friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so much work. You, you know, people, we were, we were out one night after the play, and um, one of the castmates was like, I don't understand how people in New York can do this every night. They go out after every show. And I was like, because they don't have to get up in the morning and have real jobs. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> no, we have to get up in the That's morning. That's why they all jobs, have, and know, then we're exhausted at <laughs> night substance from this issues. Stuff. And <laughs> well, I don't think they all do. I think it's no. I'm just than, saying, like, oh yeah, it's very easy because you have to learn to cope. Right. You need some sort of coping mechanism, and, and mm-hmm. it's like the play is really, really deep, and 
the top the subject matter it wasn't just one subject it wasn't like it was just gay rights but it was gay rights and religion and um family discussions and inheritance and uh marriage and coming out and organ donors and right to life uh versus uh right to uh, I, it's not right to death what is it it's uh, right to die not right to die. What is it? Dig- dig- death, death with, dig- with dignity. Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, all of those things, you know, are wrapped up in this play and presented in very soft and gentle ways, but very impactful ways. Mm-hmm. And it's it just a lot of work. I'm well, glad you came, really though. I'm glad you, got, I'm glad you got to see it. My parents didn't go to it. They asked if they should, and I was like, no. <laughs> Really? No, they're already on our side, and I don't want to make them sit through that. Um, and part of it is, part of it was, you know, the, by the time my parents asked if they should go, it was, you know, sold out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, don't feel bad that you're not going. It's okay. And those issues are all issues we've actually discussed. So we've we've got some good plans in place and all of those things for all of us. You know, we don't have the issues that are there with the religion and whether somebody's out or not or that sort of stuff. So, and because it's just not a comfortable place for me to be, I don't know that I would be able to do the show honestly mm-hmm. in front of my parents. Mm-hmm. So I was fine with them not being there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, eh, they don't need to cry about this. <laughs> well, it was great. And it was interesting because so Jen afterwards was like, I can't believe I didn't cry the whole time. I can't believe I didn't cry. Can you believe I didn't cry? And then later she cried about it. <laughs> And then the next day she was like, I was thinking about that today and I cried about it. And I'm just like, meanwhile, I was blubbering at the actual show and now you're crying afterwards. Okay, whatever. Oh, delayed reaction. But I was like, we are going home and doing our medical power of attorney at some point soon. (laughs) So it was great. It was a great start to her birthday weekend. I think, you know, before. I think the two of you need to go to Canada to get married and then file the lawsuit and, yeah. and, and gut the other part of DOMA. Well, we're, we're moving slowly in a direction. but uh, mm. Interesting, interesting, good to know. Yeah, we're actually decided to move in together. Congratulations. In August. That's awesome. Thank you. So you'll be living in East Helena a block and a half from me. Mm-hmm. Scary. I'm moving to Tom's. You people are ruining <laughs> the neighborhood. <laughs> so yeah, that'll be the first time I've ever lived with someone, like a partner. And she was cute. She was like, are you going to be okay? You've had your own room your entire life. (laughs) And I'm like, it will be an adjustment, but I'll be fine. So I'm excited. Um, But yeah, it was a great start to the weekend. Like we just don't get to do artsy fartsy things like that very often. And then we had a party on Sunday and played, um, hit the unicorn and, we had a unicorn pinata. <laughs> the pinata. And we this is why Ginsburg couldn't ride the unicorn into the SCOTUS this morning is right. because you would beat it with a pinata stick. So all in all, life is good. I just spent the last two days in Bozeman. Um, I'm well, back. Board retreat. Ah, nice. And uh, now I'm here for the next month, and I have a lot of stuff going on because we're moving our office and... Obviously, I'm moving my own life and all sorts of other things, but I'm really Upheaval. happy. I'm happy to be here for the next month. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, what about you? Should be fun. Um, well, the play has ended, which was very nice. Um, I've got on July 10th, Cowtippy Comedy is doing a fundraiser for Florence Britton and Home. Right. We're doing that after Alive at Five, so we're going to go to Alive at Five, hand out flyers to everybody. Come drink and have fun. And uh, that'll be a great night. Um, July 17th, I'm actually teaching a class at Grand Street, which will be really cool. I'm very excited about that. Um, Teaching about what? How the camera is different than uh, the stage. Which seems like it's an obvious concept, but it's really hard to explain until you actually do it. So what we're going to do, they're all learning the song from the opening of Matilda, which was a new musical. Mm -hmm. And uh, written by Tim Minchin. Phenomenal. Phenomenal guy. Um, And uh, they're learning the opening number. So we're going to take, uh, I'm getting a recording of the music. And they're going to learn the opening number a little bit beforehand. So they'll have an idea of what it's like to do it on stage. And we're going to take in, do it in the park with different people in each of the parts and record it all together and then edit it down and show them how the camera basically is the audience. And we have full control over how the audience sees us Mm -hmm. versus you're on the stage and the audience is in the chairs. You can't move them. Right. So interesting. 
it's it's a fun little it'll be a fun little class. Good. And then um, I have no idea what else is going on. I'm probably here as well. Nice. <laughs> then August hits and I'm Well, it's time to enjoy Montana summer is how I feel. Oh, since we finally got summer. Mm-hmm. I the weather has been beautiful. Yeah. For three days. Enough of the rain. <laughs> Enough of the rain. Exactly. Right. So yeah, so that's about it. Good. Well I, I think it'll be interesting. Uh, we're gonna do it uh next week or take two weeks. We should Probably let next the people week. know. Well let's do it next week. All right, perfect. That'll be fun. Well, we'll see everybody next week. Thanks for coming by. And we'll actually be recording over there. I've got some stuff to talk to you about after the show that we can't tell the people because they don't need to know just yet. But it'll be really cool. Everybody, thanks for joining us. This has been This Is Well. It sure has. <laughs>